Hello and welcome to another edition of the In Context podcast. Today I have a friend with me, it's Stephanie, all the way from Baltimore in the US. How are you doing, Stephanie? I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm not used to interviewing men. I was about to say, I'm good, thanks, brother, but <laughs> I'm good, thanks, sister. Yeah, in this age of gender fluidity, I am definitely a woman. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. That much I know. I don't know a lot of things, but I that much I know. It was revealing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it, it gets embarrassing when I call Rachel brother. <laughs> Listen, I, I get it. I do that to my husband sometimes, and if I, I do that, it's in the heat of the moment where I'm like, bro. And he's like, no. So I, I, I take it as the highest honor. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> I, I usually only use the term brother when I forgot people's names and I pretend I'm spiritual, but really I'm just ignorant. <laughs> you know what? Americans have a way of doing that, they say. And you, um, have you met brother and then someone knows that you don't know that person's name? And so then they say, what's your name? I, I don't like to be this way, but I am this way. Only if I've met this person like five times and there's no excuse for why I don't know their name. And I'm like, I'm yeah. so sorry. Um, I blame it now on my baby, but before my baby, there was I was still forgetting names. So I again, there's no fault. You can call me Bethany, um, Stephanie. I answer to mostly things that end in Y, and so I'm, I'll roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll roll with it. <laughs> oh, well, tell us a little bit about yourself, Stephanie, because I met yeah. you around. I think I first met you about four years ago when you yeah. were in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. In Edinburgh, I was visiting um, Nidri Community Church, a ministry called Twenty Schemes, and uh, just really wanted to learn from them. Uh, we affectionately call them like mom. Um, you know, I I work at one. I work at the Garden Church, and we started um, an organization called One Hope, which is about um, church planning in inner city context um, and equipping people. Um, and at that time, Twenty Schemes was really one of the only individuals that were, was doing it in a context that was like ours. So um, I, we flew out there with the team and just stayed and worshiped. And um, I definitely felt like, man, these are my brothers and sisters, like on a whole other level. Um, had never met them before. Um, but we, yeah, I felt like, man, I, I see myself in Tasha or in Shaba or in just random individuals from the community that were meeting. So uh, it, it gave me a lot of encouragement to come back to Baltimore and um, kind of to do the same thing, but different things. So uh, I work right now in the community as like a life coach. I air quote that because um, for several reasons. One, because when I hear a life coach, I think Richard Simmons in short shorts. Um, and um, I don't know if you know who that is, but you don't need to. Um, it's not just like a very peppy um, guy that's just yelling out a lot of inspirational quotes. I get scared. But the community loves life coaches. Uh, so I work as a gospel worker and life coach is just um, to be visible to the community. Um, and I just connect people to gospel resources from learning how to get prepared for a job to managing a budget to parenting. Um, I get to do that from a Christian perspective and the community is really open to it um, just because of the brokenness that lives here. So um, I've been doing that for about seven years, almost seven years. And um, yeah, just part of a small local church called the Garden Church. And it's, it's been good. And I, um, I'm trying to think life things have happened. I just got married two years ago and I have a one-year-old son um, and we are intentionally living in our community, um, wanting to love and know our neighbors, wanting to be known and loved in the same way. So it's been a cool, cool adventure so far. Mm. Awesome. 
Yeah, and it's that intentionality that I wanted to chat with you about today. Uh, I I was listening to to a talk that you did not long ago, and you also feature in a book. Uh, I can't remember the the, the proper name of the book because Mez keeps taking the out of it. (laughs) Oh, man. So my pastor has given it. He's given it a new title every time. So the other day, someone asked me the title. I said, unimpressed with you. Uh, not, I actually don't remember the title. So. Unexceptional. Unexceptional. Nor- yeah. Ordinary women doing extraordinary things. Shabba would quiz me exactly. if it's not right. But yeah, uh, don't worry. Americans also, um, what we call roasting. I don't think Joel's ever said the real title. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's love. It's love. Unexceptional. That is it. Unexceptional. Yeah, a great book. Uh, we have a couple of listeners from a podcast in the UK, and uh, it's uh, called The Plumline Podcast, and it's one of their favorite books. Oh, so wow. a little shout out to Cat and Cat from The Plumline Podcast. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think what I find really exciting about what you say, you talk about living in intentional community. Yeah. And uh, it's something that we've tried to do. It's something that sometimes we, we struggle with that other people that joiners struggle with mm-hmm. and uh, yeah it's it's not natural coming from an individualistic kind of yeah. life uh, to, to, to move into a community so the community where we live uh, the big on relationships and uh, the, the the very community focus so coming in as outsiders it's difficult to be part yeah. of that community. Uh, but it's also difficult to be part of the church community when you've got so many different characters in there so <laughs> what, what started you, you're on this journey I, I remember a, a little story about some Cuban coffee so do you want oh, a little man. yeah so I I love coffee I mean I genuinely love it I think I can go on a million soapboxes but that's not the question I think it um and one of the reasons I love coffee um is because I just remember I was 19 had just gotten saved had prayed for a Christian community um had prayed. So I got, I became a believer. Um, and there were the local churches near me that were preaching the gospel about 45 minutes away. So I remember specifically, um, reading, listening to sermons saying, God, I really want, um, to be a part of a local church. As I read Ephesians five, like you're coming back for the church. Um, this church is important. Um, and so on that hunt, a church got planted about a mile from me. And my first Sunday to visit, I met Eliana and she said, I live nearby, you can just come. And I didn't really believe her. And I was like, oh yeah, people just say that because they're being nice and polite. But I was on a run one day, sweaty and nasty. And I thought, this lady says she lives here. So I'm gonna knock on her door. And so I knocked on her door um, and she wasn't there. So, you know, that's, you know, but her son was there and I was like, I'll never hear from her again. And the next Monday she's like, come over another time. And so the beauty of Ileana and I's relationship, I call her like my first Titus too, um, outside I think my mom, um, is that she was an insomniac, so she couldn't sleep. And I was a like 20 year old college student. Um, And so we would hang out from like 11 to 2 a.m. eating Cuban sandwiches and drinking coffee and learning about uh, doctrine, like um, that God would, would foreknow us and that his love is great, learning about the depravity of sin and how much God loves us, um, repentance, like I would just ask her questions. And I remember um, I, she, she just, she didn't spare the punches. I love her and her Cubanness. She's like 50. And so she said exactly what she felt. 
and one night um, I was sitting at her table and she was asking me about church involvement and she's like why aren't you serving in church and I was like well I can't sing you know I can't sing I thought honestly I had thought um, that that if you're not doing something visible then there's really nothing that needs to be done in church and it's crazy because I grew up in the church and my parents had always been serving but I just didn't know what that meant if it wasn't a visible task and so she said you know you are a danger of being a leech if you don't serve you'll just atrophy <laughs> you'll just consume 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 and you'll just get fat you won't do anything with it and um I just was like I, well what do I do and she's like identify the moms in our churches and call them and ask them if they need help and I didn't like kids at this point and I'm like okay um and she's like you can serve in the nursery and she just started giving me different ideas and she said it's just through service that you'll really see God's words be made plain um, and, and, and kind of tested in that way. So she gets the credit for reminding me that you can serve in every and any capacity and you should serve and join and say, I'm committing to this body of believers. Um, and I think fast forward to here, I finally am in a place where I've been in this church longer than I've been in any church. And I, now I'm thinking I'm starting to learn about what it means to bear with each other, what it means to strive for unity, the bond of peace, because of Ileana planting those seeds of like, you need to serve no matter where you're at, um, because it's just a part of you. It's what, it's what us as Christians do. And we follow um, the best person that's ever served for us. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. So, sounds like a great woman, Ileana. Uh... Yeah, she's great. What was she, did she have a was she just a member of the church? Did she have a specific role yeah, in the church? Yeah, she she was a member of the church. She uh she ended up serving in different roles like later, but when she mm-hmm. brought me aside, um she did that knowing um what was her walk. So she she kind of came to church, stayed away for like ten years, and she just said my life could have been like just more enriched had I gotten involved sooner. Um, and then she, she, I will say this, um, shout out to finding wise women when you can. Um, she would purposely um, place me in these groups with older saints. I remember they were selecting small groups and I was one of the only names that didn't end up in the college group. And I was devastated. I was like, why am I not here? And she's like, you have all the time in the world to be with kids your age. You need to like learn from older folks. Um, and I love that small group, seeing faithful people who had trusted in God from a young age and continued to trust in him. Um, and yeah. I think that that was God um, getting ahead of me so that he would prepare my heart for perseverance to see that you can run the race. And so, yeah, she just was a member. She served as an administrative assistant, but really she just, um, she had a focus. She had an aim. <laughs> and she was like, I'm looking for all the people who are awkward and falling through the cracks. And I'm going to pursue them. Mm. That's what she did. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, and there's debate in the UK at the moment. I don't know if we're behind the curve in America, but a lot of the evangelical church who are a complementarian, a lot of women yeah. feeling undervalued, underused, uh, debates over how much authority mm. should a woman have in the church and, and, mm. and what should they, shouldn't they be doing. And, 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 I, and I just think this is a perfect example of what all women should be doing and, Oh my goodness! Uh, replicating Ileana is was was Ileana unique in her role in the church, or was there other women doing what she was doing? Mm. I actually think in that church, um, older women did feel empowered. They felt like they had value, and 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think they felt like they had a voice. I feel, uh, I feel like now, sometimes I believe there are younger women begging for older women to be um, visible and to show us how to live. And I think that mm-hmm. there's fear on a lot of older women, partly they think I have nothing to give. And a younger woman is like, oh, you have everything to give, you know? So I think that there's been some hesitancy. Um, and maybe as a result of not, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, but I feel like I, I come up against more of a hesitancy um, coming from more places that were like seminarian based mm-hmm. places. Um, I think a lot of older women think if they can't like recite John Frame's theology, that they have nothing to give, but we read in Titus 2, they actually um, have so much to contribute um, mm. to help us to think through how to be patient and kind and have self-control um, and to pray. And so it's something I'm praying for more is that the older mm. saints would see what a mission field it is. Um, and I think some of that fear is in our context, a lot of older women get saved later in their lives and yes. it can seem like intimidation. But I think God he's saying something about gray haired saints, um, whether or not you have been a Christian for like 10 days um, or 10 years or 50 mm. years. I do believe with the Holy spirit and um, intentionality that we need older people in our lives. And so uh, I feel like there's more of a hesitancy now, but those, those particular women, uh, yeah, they, they were very free in how much time they had to leverage. I mean, there was several women, six or so, that were successful in their fields, that had a priority of knowing Christ and Him crucified, and they wanted to show us how to find life like abundantly in that way. And so, super grateful for them, mm. um, and think everyone should realize that that's it's not so much what you can't do. There's so much what you um, can do, um, mm. and giftings in several ways. You know, so um, by God's grace, I've been a product of of really strong women. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and, and and what you said there about not focusing on what you can't do and and doing what you can do, I think is encouraging and challenging. I I, I seen an article mm-hmm. which Shava did in Christianity Today, and she at the end of the article she basically said that instead of looking at the two percent that I can't do, I just focus on the ninety eight percent that I can and crack on. Yeah, and, and I don't and, want but, to. Is that selfish? I'm okay. Just in my lane. <laughs> I'm I'm okay. I will give my elders double honor. I mean, I think it's a role. And you didn't ask me for this, but I'm going to say it anyway, um, that I think when we start to vie for other positions, it's because we've elevated those positions outside of their level of service. You know what I mean? Like, um, my pastor is not a celebrity. No one knows who he is. Um, he shepherds and elders. He, he loves the church as an older woman in the church. My task is to love in the same way. We just have different roles. And so, I don't know. I feel like it can get complicated. In our application, it can get complicated. We're sinners. It can get complicated. But uh, I fear that women don't know the, mm. the, 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 the mission field that's outside just by um, asking God to provide those things. Yeah. I mean, the ironic thing for me was when I was saved, the person who discipled me was was a woman. She oh, was a, a godly woman who... Uh, she was, uh, I knew her when I was a, a teenager. She'd yeah. always been the, the mad Christian lady off the estate who everybody knew who would walk around smiling and singing about her love for Jesus. And, wow. Uh, 
like the men were pretty intimidated to meet with me and pray with me yet she got stuck in and and, and, and shared the bow with me loved me and and just really encouraged me and, and was one of the, probably the main reasons how I came to faith to be honest wow and, uh in our communities the very matriarchal uh, a lot of absent fathers uh, and the men aren't just missing from the homes but they're missing mm. from the churches as well yeah. so a lot of godly women have been instrumental in mm. evangelism and discipleship of, of, of young men as well uh, and have been helpful to me. So it's a surprise when uh, I hear churches in more affluent parts of the country having this debate because I'm like, well, aren't women used anyway because our church wouldn't survive without yeah. the, the input I, from yeah. the women. Yeah, and I think every wise pastorate team considers one thing about Ileana is her voice was valued and those yeah. men did not and not in a um puny you know Deborah and Barack like I don't want to go to to war um although if I was Barack, I'd be in the same situation so same level <laughs> voice, I get it but in a, a way that says I cannot do my job in love well without considering it does, it does you know these issues of wisdom and I I um I think it's because she was a woman that prayed, that loved the people that she was around, that was faithful to God's word. Um, and that, that that's it's so it's encouraging to hear, like, okay, we can actually indispensable members of another, helping mm-hmm. each other along. And you want strong women in your church that know God's word. They're shepherding the kids in a generation of <laughs> like it is, yeah, it, it, it does you well to have strong women, which is what I, I do love about um you guys and also 20 schemes of let's equip women to preach mm-hmm. the gospel. Uh, those things are not, you know, frowned upon. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah. And I think we see it in the scriptures. I mean, I don't know Phoebe in Romans 16, but I'm assuming she has some gospel presence. She must have mm-hmm. known the gospel. Um, mm-hmm. if she could transport the letter of Romans. She must've known something. Um, she must've mm-hmm. been, um, a true sister in the faith. And so I, I don't think we should shy away from that. I mean, even now, yeah. So, praise God for faithful women, and hopefully, we'll pray for faithful men as well. Yeah, yeah. That's hard. That's hard. And again, again, I'll, I'll probably be accused of becoming an egalitarian by the end yeah. of this conversation. Oh, these labels. <laughs> but it's, it's sad that that, that 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 this topic provoke so much emotion yeah, yeah. Here from the more conservative side who are like oh women should be like in the kitchen and uh, yeah should be just teaching the bible to their own children yeah uh, to those who are saying that uh, more, more on the left hand side where they're saying that women should be preaching and it's in eldership right, roles and right to have a debate a, a rational loving godly debate it's tough these days isn't it it is yeah and I mean, we don't we don't know how to debate in general. I think now we get really offended really quickly and and don't um, probably cast the one's salvation into question rather quickly. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some very clear like I deny the Godhead. I mean, there's some big like primary issues that I say we maybe are not on the same page. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but on these other issues, I think we need to wrestle. And I do think um, it gets gray. And I think we can do that with our Bibles open to figure out how do mm-hmm. we think through these things. There are people that don't think deacons should be women. There are people that don't think deacons should be, you know, let's let's wrestle with that. But um, all of those things can be wrestled with without taking away from the preaching of God's word, the gospel, gospel presence. 
living intentional in your neighborhood, being a house where people in the neighborhood know those people are different. They trust in their like living God and they look differently. They don't um, participate in the same things that we do in the same way. And yet they don't ostracize us. Um, they're present. What grieves us in the neighborhood grieves them. Um, they, they look at us and treat us as if we're made in the image of God. Uh, they um, are here grieving. And I think that that's, you know, it can be such a smoke screen to focus on this like narrow doctrine that we don't even know, you know, where people really are dying without God. I, I really have to ask myself, even as I, my husband and I make a decision to just stay in our neighborhood um, as an outsider, which is different. I think insiders have such a megaphone um, and people are still trying to figure us out. Like, why are you here? Whereas I think an insider and indigenous individuals like gets to proclaim, come and see what the Lord has done. Uh, in a way that, I mean, we both can achieve the same thing, but I think it sticks in a way that's really, really beautiful. But, you know, deciding to stay here and say, this is our neighborhood, and we genuinely, you know, my pastor says all the time, if we leave, it's not a prideful statement, but if we leave, and there's not a lot of gospel presence, and we genuinely believe that if you don't trust in Christ as the Savior of your soul, then you die, and you go to hell, and you're forever separated. And I do think it's that serious. I pray for God to help me realize the seriousness. And then God lets us have very ordinary moments, like walking our dog, to be able to proclaim that just by being present. It's like, what? How? It's such a complicated thing. And you just want me to say hello to my neighbor and look for an opportunity. So I don't know. I think I think it's worth it. Uh, I mean, I got, you could live in the suburbs. I just wouldn't make it out there very long um, outside of the vacation. But if you're in the suburbs, do that for the glory of God. It's just not my cup of tea right now. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's it's a uh, a thing you've chose to do as as a family. Uh, you've you've got a young a young child. Yeah. So you you've chosen to, to stay. It's something I want to be talking about. Whether you are uh, like the demon possessed man who wants to to go with yeah. Jesus, and he says, "No, stay." Or whether you are somebody like my associate pastor or yourself who's come to an area for a, a period of time, training to work, mm-hmm. and then they're thinking about moving on to pastures greener. Uh, when you're challenged to stay, that is, uh, yeah, there's a cost account, isn't there? Yeah. So, so what kind of, but also a blessing because oh, because yeah. we're only human. <laughs> yeah. What keeps you there? What keeps you in your in the position that you're at at the moment. Well, and I genuinely believe it is probably for my good that I get to be here. There are some real hard parts. I'm not going to lie. I do think um, this has opened up my eyes to recognizing like my view of safety is kind of false to begin with my view of comfort. Like, I don't know how we've made the suburbs, the greener pastures. Is it because we don't see as much gun violence? I mean, I, I think I get that. I get that there's a real reality to that. But um, my church is like why I stay. I, I can't, I don't have any family here outside of the body of Christ. Um, and so seeing them persevere, seeing them love the Lord, seeing them raise their kids, uh, knowing that I have a team of believers all spread out through the neighborhood that believe the same God that I do. Um, I do think that that's brought me a lot of joy and it's been good even for my anxiety and my depression it's been good for even my temptations 
um, even mm. for ways that I look to escape. So it's not like um, it's a consolation prize to be here. Uh, it is it is it is a blessing. I say that through and through. And it does cost, but I think everything does cost. And I also think when I get to the end of the days, I'd love to tell Christ, like, you know, I did this because you put this on my heart. You have us here. And the cost of knowing you felt like a better, of greater importance. But I think about these things, you know, um, I'm reading all the, you know, the blogs of like, do you put your kids in harm's way when you let someone live with you? You know, I used to look at that as a single person. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And then I had a kid and I was like, whoa, Lord, I am tempted to hold this world's treasures very tightly. And I want to protect my son as much as possible. But then I think of like even my parents, we, so we're Haitian immigrant household. And I feel like they never sheltered me from brokenness. And those are some of the very same things that I read scripture now. And I feel like has changed me in a way that I don't know if I would have gotten that experience otherwise. I don't want to keep my kid from that. Um, I, I want him to see that there's sin in this world and that there's a redemptive God. And if God has me here to do that, then we're going to honestly walk through that together. And sometimes I won't know, you know, sometimes we walk outside and there's been a shooting and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Um, I don't want to be here. But then, like, who's going to be here? I mean, I don't know. Like, we if the people that have the true gospel hope that believe that God has a purpose for this, that he can work this out, that suffering is, is not pleasant, but it is good. Sometimes like, I don't know, like we're here now. So that's a long answer for, I do consider the cost, but when I compare it to like the reward, I don't feel like um, it's all that bad. Mm. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I just think through our members and seeing the local church persevere and love each other. I don't know if I've gotten this anywhere else. So we're here. Yeah, we're here. And um, it tests my faith. And I've asked the Lord to help me test my heart to see, do you really believe this stuff? Or is it just cute to write in your journal? So yeah, so we're, we're here. And you can see, uh, the Lord's been kind to us. that He'd let me live here. Let us live here. Yeah. So for me, when I was in a larger church, uh, I was unhappy. Uh, yeah. I criticized it. I'd say that it was too big, that uh, there was too many people to be relational. Uh, I wasn't happy that it was a drive-in church where people lived mm -hmm. miles away from one another. So to meet up, it was an effort. Um, and then then I found myself in a small community church yeah. and uh, we're with each other 24-7. <laughs> It's not a hassle. You bump into each other when you go to the shop or yeah. when you're in the pan. Yeah. There's no escape at times. Then I found myself complaining. It's too claustrophobic. Yeah. There's not <laughs> there's not enough boundaries here. People can yeah. just knock on your door. Usually when I'm having an argument or shouting at the kids. <laughs> yeah, that's usually it now. Or I'm like, ah! Or I stub my toe running late to work, to church. <laughs> that's, yeah. Uh, I think that's what you, you you mentioned there about how we're visible to, to the community and how it keeps us humble. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing that's kept me humble as I'm walking around with the church hoodie on and I'm I'm shouting at the dog yeah. or kicking the neighbor's yeah. cat and then you, you're there warts and all, aren't you? So people not only get to see how we are different, but they also get to see how we're very much the same as well. Yeah, how I have to ask my husband for forgiveness and how I, you know, all of that stuff. Ask a lot of people. 
yeah, it, it is true. It is good to be visible. It is good to be visible, but it, yeah, it can be um, difficult, but it's very exposing. Um, yeah. And I do appreciate it for the most part. <laughs> At the end, I'm like, oh gosh. Um, yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'd, I've been reminded that I'd make a wonderful Christian on an island by myself, but even then, I think I'd fall on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly would, yeah. It does, it tells, you know, I, I do enjoy reading the scripture and saying, wow, this really does tell us the truth about ourselves. And yeah. so I can believe the truth about God because it tells us the truth about ourselves. And, um, I will say to you, I, I think quality of life has increased living with the neighborhood. And mm. I, I, I think of the love one another's. And I'm a pretty practical person, mostly. And so I'm just thinking, bear with one another, forgive one another, pray for one another, sing with one another, uh, persevere for one another, remind one another, practice these things. Um, living here intentionally in, in our neighborhood gives me a greater opportunity to do that, that I did not get afforded to me at a bigger church in another context. And so as we are doing that, as even in a way that looks so uh, not pretty always, but as we're doing that, I'm just encouraged by like outsiders seeing, and we've had people check us out as a church for three years at all our events and finally walk into church because they're like, I've been checking y'all out. You know, we look like a weird group of people. I mean, we're probably the weirdest group of people you've ever seen. Um, all different colors and ethnicities and awkward you know, of, of whom I'm the chief leader of the awkward, um, but just a group of different people. But I think bearing with one another and, and the community seeing that, they're like, what love is this, you know? And we're able to say, it's really not us for real, for real. We're like, we're wretched. And this is what God allows us to produce. So that part's been great. When people are like, oh yeah, you guys are that church. Or you, know, you go here, you know? And how do you guys know each other? And we get to say, the Lord, you know, so. Um, it's just a cool opportunity that I wouldn't have. So I get you, but yeah, I can complain as well. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get away. No, but um, they're, they're, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good yeah. and hard, but worth it. Yeah. And, and for me, <clears throat> uh, I've recently written a paper and it was in talking about the, the community of the Trinity within mm. the Gospel of John. Yeah. And and how that that community is shown to uh, for us to replicate a similar community with one another, and how that community overflows within to uh, the local community where we live. Yeah, and I want to use that to encourage people who are saved into a tough community to to stay there. And what I was saying was, if more people like yourself moved in. That would make it easier for those who were reached. If, if if people like you stayed in the community, then those who get saved are more likely to stay rather than than move out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was asked, "Is that fair? Should you ask people who have the opportunity to get out of an area of deprivation to, to stay there?" And I'm like, "Well, if we're asking people to come in the first place, and those who were born there should stay there." Uh, but I wonder how it fits for you because if yeah. your role's a life coach, yeah. <laughs> You're, 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 if you're, if you're, I know you're there primarily for the gospel, but yeah. if you're helping people move up the ladder uh, socially and economically, how does the, is there a tension there between yeah. getting people to move or move on? Yeah, that's a good question. 
I'm going to first ask you for my own better insight. What 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 uh, response do you get? Um, are there a lot of individuals in your context that's like, we just want to get out. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, yeah, we don't just, stay here. just me. <laughs> that's fair, bro. <laughs> and yet the Lord has called you. I uh, yeah. it's funny. I was talking to your the, your wife. I think a couple months ago, and I said I was asking her about your story. And she's like, yeah. I bet Ian just I just probably knew he's just going to be a pastor from the get. <laughs> Didn't really mm-hmm. even know. I mean, just talking about how God had been preparing maybe a life of hardness and hardship yeah. so that you would be able to look at individuals and not be scared off. You're probably more yeah. scared off by like, wait, <laughs> the gospel <laughs> than you are someone who would look rough. Um, so it looks like you're yeah. in the right place because um, you're not fearful yeah. of the context that you're in. But um, yeah, I one, I think... Um, it's not a necessarily like in the scriptures, stay in the context that you got saved mm. in. I mean, we see um, Jesus give advice to stay and then he has the second come. Um, but I do, I think I want to get at the heart of the matter. So like if someone needs to leave because it would be the wisest thing for them, safety, yeah. temptations, and context, I will never say stay. I will ask someone to stay if there is a desire that in their heart locating is going to fix something that I genuinely believe it might not like um I don't want to have to worry anymore I wish moving to a neighborhood would help me never have to worry I will find something to be anxious about I assure you I assure you um you know if I move away then I don't have to see brokenness well we travel with ourselves you know what I mean like I don't think I can be away from brokenness or if I leave um I'm just tired of um, people who think this way. And I think as a believer, we've got to ask ourselves, like, is it possible that God has me here to stay, to to show just through my simple life how that can be true? So I think I like to more so ask, like, what's the heart of the matter? Um, there's nothing wrong with making good money and having a good job and serving the kingdom. But if I think that's going to fulfill something in me, or give me a peace outside of the peace that God really does have to give me, then I would just ask, why don't you ask the Lord whether or not you could stay? Like, why don't you just ask the Lord, like, is it a worthy mission to say, um, when I die, my legacy is that I, I gave up myself for this context, you know? So um, I'm not calling people to a vow of poverty, you know? I'm, I, I'm all about people working their jobs, being faithful, loving their families, providing for their families. If you can do that somewhere else, then by all means, I want you to provide it in the scripture. Um, but if you can do that in example here, then, you know, why not? Um, I say I'm very much an outsider um, here and I am okay with that. Um, but I think uh, what, what speaks a beautiful story is our members who, we have several members who are on their way out and just felt convicted to say, maybe I should just move closer. Um, and I think they asked themselves with every drive-by, with every shooting, with every syringe that they pass on the floor, with every, I wish my kid could play outside more. They asked themselves the question, is it worth it? Um, and I think that's why the body of believers is so important because we say, brother, you're not alone. Um, sister, you're not alone. And I do think it's worth it. So I, I don't know. I, I think um, I want to ask the heart of the matter. There's nothing wrong with seeing lush green you know pastures and all of these things but i do i do wonder if we're the ones that can bring that here you know 
I just moved to a neighborhood like a year ago. And something that makes that neighborhood amazing is because there are homeowners that love their block, that pick up their trash, that wave to people that look out for our packages. They have made um, this community worth living in for us. And so I'm like, oh, and someone don't even know Christ as savior. So how much more, you know? Am I saying like my ultimate goal is to have my family live in the most comfortable place with the most ease of comfort? Maybe, but I don't know. Can you glorify God there? And I think it's worth asking the question because if you ask someone the question, can I glorify God in a special way here? I think they might say yes. Mm. I'm like, maybe you should stay. I don't know. But don't stay here if you're going to be bitter and angry because the Lord can work with rocks. You know what I mean? If you're going to be bitter and angry or fearful beyond belief, then go do what's best for you because this is not written. Like we don't get a, you don't get a gold star for being in your neighborhood. God's not like, I love you more. You know, yeah. if, you're, if we're in here just because we think that we're going to like do a vow of poverty and God will give us a special star, I don't think so. But um, I do think that there's something here. Yeah. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. I think I see that a lot here and I am awaiting, you know, the treasure looks sweeter knowing that it's Christ. So I, I need the hood for my own selfishness. I'd like to run from it too. You know, um, I'd like to go to my little trendy uh <laughs> farmer market shops and get my bok choy but it's not the most important thing you know so. yeah. yeah 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 i hear i hear that that's uh yeah but for me i think when we go to these places they always fantasize about living there or uh, but then after i've had a week or two holiday there i'm like glad to get home and yeah because it's just what the Lord has done. I honestly think this is really sweet. It's so quiet. And then I'm like, all right, so that was a good vacation. And I'm back, you know, so take rest for yourself. Um, but uh, I think people who live here genuinely want to live here. I don't know. Like I'd say, to you, there's, there's a, there's a, I hope if you answer it the other way, it's also okay. But I genuinely want to live here. I genuinely like living here. I like being mm-hmm. able to walk down the street to see a couple members. I love being able to um, you know, we had a gas leak last year and I'd call a random member at 1030 and they let us sleep on the couch. You know, it's that stuff that I'm like, oh, man, I don't know that I would give this up for yeah. a backyard. It's OK. I- I'll take it. You know, so I don't know. I don't think I'm suffering too bad, but it is hard. I don't want to discredit yeah. that. But in the hindsight, you said the reward. I-, I-, I keep feeling the reward pays out, you know, yeah. on dividends. Yeah. Well, we talk about common grace a lot when we look at doctors yeah. or, or, or people, generous givers, or uh, we, 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 when we look at uh, the academics or the artists yeah. or the financiers, we often talk about God's common grace and we don't talk about it much about communities of deprivation, but the common grace that I found within the community where I live is unbelievable, the local butcher who he lets me bring my dog in and he throws him raw steak. And we, we like we have a walk on a morning with the dog, which should take five minutes, but because of all the people we know, it usually oh, takes half that's a minute. amazing. And, and then when we've gone on holiday or to these other areas, we, we talk to people and we're probably the first person who spoke to them because uh, these other areas, people are just so busy that they go out to work and they come back in and they don't know the neighbours where yeah. we know people for miles around yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a so rich, it's a rich life. It it really yeah. is. It is, you know, uh, it's a rich life. I I genuinely feel that. Yeah, I hear that out. 
where you're like, oh, I've just been outside on the stoop talking to this random neighbor who's been here from 1960s, and she's telling me um, what this block looked like, and even parts that are hard, she's like, things have changed. You know, I get to be like, man, I feel you in that, but I'm, I'm here and I'm grateful, you know, for your lineage. I feel like it's rich. It's rich. I'd love to get a butcher throw raw steak at me, so I should go on a walk because that'd be great. Yeah. I will do it medium yeah. well. My husband will have it medium and we'll have a good time. We'll yeah, yeah just take him with you and let him. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I, need to, I need to teach my son how to like ask for things in a Yes, he, he has no words yet. Yeah. yeah. Ah, cool. Well, when you when you come and visit, I'll I'll take you to the butchers and you can get some steak. And it's on my bonus prayer list. I told your wife. Yeah. I said I'm bringing it before the Lord. Help us get there. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I think um, I'm excited for what's happening at Medhurst. Everywhere yeah. else, it's so encouraging just to see and to to pray for, um, yeah. to see how creative God allows His people to be for His name. So. Um, yeah, we'd love to come and visit and to see. Yeah, and now you mentioned that, I should have introduced you as our newest trustee and board director. Oh, man, that's me. I forgot to mention. <laughs> yeah, so I'm great to have you on. It's good to be there. Yeah, I, it, it is so sweet. It is, um, you know, lastly, I think um, I'm big into reading biographies because it just, uh, I don't know. It feels, it shows me that people are making it, that they trust in the Lord and they're persevering. Um, and I love seeing other brothers and sisters just trying to say, God, we don't know, we don't have much, but we're going to trust you with this. So I, I'm, I'm, it's so to be on board. I was like, you want me? I've never been voted for anything. Um, I did win, did I win? A, I, I've only won like a random concert ticket in my whole life. So um, it's it's to, to be selected and it's it's cool. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome, oh, that's great. Well, one thing that I I, I want to talk about before we finish yeah. is is that you you mentioned something that I felt convicted of uh, about how community glorifies God. Mm. Often I look at how much community can benefit me or benefit others, and I've often failed to see how community can glorify yeah. God. Yeah, how that community in Baltimore is glorifying Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's always sweet to talk to people from different neighborhoods because then it'll help me today go out and appreciate these saints and people that I passed. But I think it glorifies God because, um, man, I, I think of this. So we, we have a, um, a brother at our church who um, got saved um, at another church, you know, ended up moving closer to the context and proclaimed um, or shared the gospel with his mom. So his mom and her, like, I'm not going to tell her age because I'm, I want my life after this, but gets saved and then gets to share with her family. And all of that happens here, like in that story. And I'm like, wow, the God is being glorified through salvation through generations. Or I think of, um, you know, another individual at our church who leads an addiction kind of like Bible study. And so through her many years of indulging and sin and many years of, of, of selfishly serving self, she now pours herself out to help other individuals know this will not satisfy you. I've tasted and I've seen, and I tell you that the Lord is good. And so it glorifies um, God by people seeing that our stories are marred and broken and 
sin is pervasive and in some ways we will not be fully restored until Christ comes back. And so that gives hope for the individual that keeps on struggling, but Christ calls back. And so I think of our kids, um, you know, several parents who have said, I'm intentionally raising my children here. They will not be blind to the drugs, the alcohol, the addiction, and we will weep and we will mourn together. We will even want to leave together. I think that glorifies God because we say, God, look, you really will never leave us. We genuinely believe that you can save even the vilest of sinners, ourselves being forced and foremost. So I, I think in some way he lets us participate in very simple things that just require our presence. And there's so much more happening. And when I think about the fact that because it is a small community, he's letting me see these things. I think it is showing me, God, you are true and you are who you say you are and you will bring these things to pass. And so I say that from a very broken perspective. I mean, I, 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 I in more of my days rejoicing, but also grieving because the city breaks my heart, but it breaks my heart because I just see all the idols that we, we indulge in um, where Christ is waiting with joy for us. And that's hard to see the tension, both in my own heart. Um, I'm like, wow, God's really glorified in me realizing that and sharing that and trying to live another day committed to him with the help that he gives us. So I'm like, wow, that's kind of cool. I mean, honestly, to participate in that, like he could have just had me watch, but he lets me participate just in saying hello or in asking questions that people don't feel like they can ask because of shame or being present when someone's been abused or um, showing them you're made in the image of God, you have dignity and he, he loves you, you know, give up your, your idols and follow him so that i think happens in very small little ways little decisions and i'm a visual person and so i feel like it glorifies god because he's letting me watch like come and see um come and let's sing you know come and let's weep come and let's mourn so i'm like okay cool that's why i wouldn't give it up um but i've tried i almost think he won't let me because it's for my good it's for my good um you know i go to where I think would be better if I only had this, if I only lived here, if I only had more money, um, if I only had made better choices, if I only had done these things and I get to a taste of those things and I'm like, oh, I'm not even happy here. So, I don't know. I'm here because he has me here, but other people are here and I'm watching them. I'm encouraged in my own faith. So, um, I don't know if that answered your question, but that's, that's, that's how I feel like it glorifies the Lord. Awesome. And again, and I know I said last time to finish, we'll finish on this one instead. Yeah. Unless I think of something else. Uh, yeah, again, just getting back to, we, we've talked about common grace. We've talked yeah. about glorifying God and, 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 and the need for women in the church. So how can we share the common grace of what women bring to the church, glorify mm. God through having more women present? How can we as pastors encourage women to 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 be used to have that freedom to mm. to to be gospel workers because look I think in the past we women were seen as Sunday school teachers yeah but, but the doctrine that you've been sharing the doctrine that you've been taught by uh, older women in the faith the older saints how can we produce women who love doctrine yeah. and, and and encourage women who love doctrine to to learn more and to share yeah. more. Yeah, one would be disciple women. 
I don't want to sound mm. scandalous here, um, but my pastor is able to disciple me and, and live in a way, um, teaching me the other men, um, the other elders. I think it's possible to do that without it always mm. being some kind of seductor situation. Hear me out. Mm. I'm not saying don't practice wisdom. My God, yeah. please practice wisdom. Please don't do these things alone. No one's asking you to go into a secret room that's very closed to have some secret mm. like that's not what I'm asking. But I genuinely think um, I can only speak for some of my past contexts. I've had men that have affirmed me, have uh, brought out giftings, have said, have you tried this? Have you given thought to this? I've had pastors who have um, seen, hey, you like writing and you like developing these things. Like, how can I better encourage you in that? I've also seen men who have overlooked the women in their congregations. And primarily our churches are women. It should build strong women. And I think there are discipleship opportunities, whether or not you're doing a systematic theology class, invite women. I know that that changes the gist of what's going on, but I think that there should be a lot of more opportunities for teaching um, so that you can at least equip women to equip other women. Um, so that's yeah. one. Two, affirm um, women in your uh, congregation with their gift sets. You know, oftentimes um, I don't think I'm good at a lot. And so my pastors really have to say, hey, I think this is a gift. Have you seen this? I think you're actually really good at this. Have you tried this out? And that's not to give me some kind of self-help confidence. It's just because I genuinely don't know. It has not been mm. affirmed in me. Um, and oftentimes women go straight to the nursery, which is not a problem. I just, it's not, you know, gift that. Um, we've had actually men and women serve in our nursery. That's been really encouraging to see. Um, and uh, lastly, I think pastors, um, yeah, the way that they love their families, affirm the women in your, your life, uh, love them mm. well, understand them well, encourage them well, challenge them well, um, and invite us into that. And seeing that has been really, really key for me, uh, men uh, that have been honest. And I think, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's probably the first way to start. Disciple your women. Strong women make other strong women. So um, encourage your women. That's it. Yeah, that's as much as I have. And I, I also will say this, lastly, affirm the beauty of how God has created us, which is very different. Um, yeah. I wrote this piece for pornography for like nine marks, I think several years ago. And some of the stuff that had been really helpful for me is when pastors acknowledge sin in general mm. and not make sin a man's issue a specific sin yeah. or specific sense a woman's issue like yeah women gossip but men gossip too and in a very different way um it just yeah. sounds cooler but i'm like oh that's sin um and yeah. so let's talk about sin and let's talk about the savior who redeems those sin across the board so it's just time now where we have to realize that when you preach from the pulpit it's not condemnation but all of us are dealing with the same levels of struggles in this in this society. So preach to your women as well. Um, and we're not all stressed about crocheting and knitting. We're dealing with some really hard stuff. You get what I'm saying? So, so preach like we're yeah. dealing with some hard stuff and that we need to know God's word um, to cover that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why God has blessed me with three women in this house to yeah. keep me on my toes. You're highly blessed. To remind me. <laughs> Opinionated women. That's funny. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably one of the most sexist men ever. 
has three women, two two daughters and a wife to keep him on his toes. Your reward. And, yeah, I, mean, I think because I was so desperate to have a boy, uh, I took my girls to kickboxing and weightlifting. And <laughs> so I'm kind of, <laughs> yeah, I haven't typecast them in any role. But, uh, yeah, the, the keep me man, my dad and my girl. I, I'm sure. I'm bored of football. Yeah. <laughs> They'll keep you that way for forever. <laughs> and thank you. Oh, awesome. Stephanie, it's been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate your wisdom. And, uh, yeah, thank you for getting on board with Medhurst Ministries and yeah. hopefully we'll be able to chat soon. Yeah, that sounds great. Awesome. Cheers, Stephanie. All God right. bless. Have a good one. Bye.